because people will say to me, oh, I guess we're all like one paycheck away from being at your place. And it's like, no, you're not. Because if you, Kim Peek, all of a sudden had no money, no car, no job, you wouldn't come to the rescue mission. You would go to the 30 friends you have who would take you in in a minute, including me, right? Right. So you're not coming to the rescue mission. Um, it's when you, Kim Peek, have all those things and your whole family is is it's dysfunctional or it's fallen apart or you've alienated them with your behavior in the past. And I'm just using Kim, obviously, as an example. She's wonderful. Um, Hi, this is Kim Peek, and I just want to welcome you to the Kim Peek Show. Really excited about today's episode. I have a good friend with me, Jean Lockhart, and I'm going to introduce what she does in a moment. But first, I just want to introduce my friend, Jean Lockhart, to you. Hello, Jean. Hello, Kim. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, I am super excited about this. We've been talking about this for a few weeks now. Yes, we have. It's taken a while to get together. Yeah, schedules and, and everything. But it's here today. And now I just want to tell you a little bit about what Jean does. So Jean is the Chief Operating Officer of the Boise Rescue Mission. And you may not be listening to this in Boise, but uh, we have a very large rescue mission that has so many ministries. It's not just the the typical um, thing that you think about for a rescue mission. So to start with, Jean, tell us a little bit about your position there and all the ministries of the Boise Rescue Mission. Well, I, like you said, I'm the chief operating officer and that sounds kind of fancy, but really what <laughs> I do is I work on, I, I don't do any like publicity fundraising or work on the finance. I do the programs and the facilities and troubleshoot issues that come up in our programs. And so it's a real hands-on job and I'm willing to pitch in. Sometimes I work shifts on the floor of, of our shelters if they need help. And I love doing that. That's one of my favorite things to do. So we, our ministry is basically to help people overcome the issues that have made them homeless. And so we have programs to address those needs. And so it's everything from kids programs, human trafficking, veterans, drug and alcohol abuse, uh, life skills, education, pretty much anything that someone needs to get through the issues and deal with the issues that have made them homeless and help them to move out into the community and be productive and sustainable in the community. We do not want them to come back. And we really try to stay connected to the people who have left our shelters to support them out in the community with the little things that happen. You know, that's amazing, Jean. And one reason I wanted to have you on here is because at the uh, what I am trying to do with this podcast is to help women thrive in their faith, their family, and their work. And really, your ministry at the Rescue Mission in some way touches all of those for you. And I know you even consider a lot of the people you work with and a lot of the people you help um, your, your family in, in some way. And so... What I wanted to do with today's podcast is just to really give a story and an example of a woman who is thriving in those ways. And I know, uh, which we, I don't know how much we'll get in today, but you have sacrificed a lot. You have given a lot of yourself to your ministry. And I feel like 
there is nothing you won't do to help people. And I, and I have seen that over the years and it's amazing. And so to start with, let's just start talking about you. I wanted people to understand a little bit about what you did before we kind of dove into your story and then the story of how you got to the mission and what you do at the mission. So talk a little bit about the story of you coming even to the Boise Rescue Mission. Well, we all came from different places and we have people that prayed that they would get a job at the mission and that was their dream. That was not my wow. dream. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, not at all. I, um, I worked in biotech for 25 years. I did business development, big corporate deals and finance. And I worked on startups and turnarounds. So um, I would get a, you know, get an organization to a place where we could sell it or go public. And then I went to the next one. So it was, it was great. It was very lucrative and exciting and glamorous. Um, I moved up to Boise. There is no biotech here. And I also had gotten very involved in my church and children's ministry and my heart was really there. So I moved up to Boise. My whole family lives here. Uh, my mother had gotten sick and I wanted to help with her care. And so I moved up here and I prayed about a job and I, the job at the rescue mission came up and I, I said to the Lord, like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, seriously, <laughs> I am not a rescue mission. Girl. It, it was like from one end of the spectrum to the other, really the type yeah. of, of work you were going to be doing then. Well, it was kind of like Cinderella in reverse, right? You know, <laughs> like I was kind of a princess and spoiled. And then now I'm like hauling donations and frozen turkeys and stuff. I was going to say the yeah. frozen turkeys. Yeah. I know we always hear so much about that. <laughs> They're so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I absolutely, so I took the job. I knew it was the job for me. I knew I was called to it and I absolutely love it. I've been there. I'm in year 15 and I, wow. I love it. It doesn't feel like a job. It, it just feels like such a blessing. And it is a fan, like a family. We, yeah. we do really love and care about each other and support each other. Um, and it feels, feels good when things are hard to have supportive group around you. Right. And we do that with our, our guests and residents. You know, we, we try to show them the love of Christ by being always available to help them when they hit a, a snag. And we all do. I mean, I, right. my, my director of, um, of the new life program hit one she's battling cancer and oh. has to go in for a little surgery tomorrow and needed someone to take her kid to school and i was like sign me up i'll take her no sweat wow and she's done the same for me so we really support each other that's amazing that's amazing i know there's that that just camaraderie between you all and and that care i'm um, just to give people an idea how many um people work for the Boise Rescue Mission. Right now we have part-time and full-time about 157 people. Oh my goodness. Even I did not know it was that large. Well, we have five shelters and oh. they're spread throughout the Treasure Valley from Boise to Nampa. So, and we're doing a big expansion of transitional housing because of the housing okay. challenges we're having. Right. We, we bought a building um, in Boise that was a former assisted living uh, building, which is perfect for us. Right. And we're going to turn it into 60 units, studio one and two bedroom, um, little apartments, uh, meals there. None of them will have kitchens. So meals will be together, but I think it's going to be really exciting. It's kind of communal living, which is really good for people who are a little bit lonely, loneliness. And I, you know, the quote of, I don't feel loved is 
a big problem for our people. You right. know, just being alone and lonely and not having friends and not having family. And I think that's a really big deal in our society. I was going to say, I think even beyond, you know, like, like the core group of people that, that you are helping, uh, as you said, getting people out of homelessness. I think, yeah, society in general, loneliness, you know, Doug and I, uh, my husband, we were talking not long ago that for the first time in our country, more people live alone than with other, you know, family. And you think about that, that's going to have a huge effect on society. And I know with COVID, I feel like COVID just kind of amassed things that were already happening, right? right? Mm -hmm. And and we, we just started to see those things. And one of the greatest things, and we talked about this earlier on an episode, is, is just the epidemic of loneliness and how that has caused so much more anxiety for people and how that's kind of trickled down to our kids, right? And, and so that really affects things. And so I want to circle back at the end and just talk about just again, your life and some things that you've really learned through these 15 years um, working at Boise Rescue Mission. But now um, you kind of provided the transition to talk about what changes are you seeing now in society that are really affecting the people that you are trying to help, um, you know, go from l living in a, in a, um, one type of, of level to the next level of transitional housing or however that looks uh, for the people you work with, you know, what changes are you seeing in society of, of the needs and how you are changing your ministry to relate to those needs? I think that the biggest one, and this is, I'm giving you the early preview, but here it comes, yeah. is senior citizens. We are getting more and more senior citizens really with dementia with physical problems, can't take care of themselves, and are homeless. Wow. It is a tsunami that's coming at us. Um, our society is really not set up very well to take care of senior citizens. It's a, it's it's been depending on the family, but the problem right. is our families have fallen apart. Right. And families don't want to take care of them. You know, seniors that are struggling, um, they don't, they're disconnected from their family. Uh, they have a fight and blow up and then, you know, they, they leave and then where do you go? Right. It's, um, it's a huge crisis and there's, um, there, there aren't the, the assisted living and memory care are doing the best they can, but they're very short staffed. I've, you know, we've, we've bought in the last several years, we've bought two assisted living facilities wow. to renovate for ourselves that shut down. And that's kind of scary. Um, so I, that's that's one. Um, another one is on the other end of the age spectrum is the youth that just don't have life skills. Um, they're very confused about financially what's a need and what's a want. Mm. Um, I watch them buy expensive coffee drinks and take out food and energy drinks. And I think, how can you afford that? I, I, do, I go to the fair. I mean, it's been $70 to go to the fair. Are you crazy? Right. Don't do that. Right. Like we're, they have no financial plan and then they're baffled by why can't I get ahead? So that is a huge issue of, I don't know how to run my life and I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but it's not working out for me. Right. Um, so I would say those are the two biggest problems. Mental illness is also another very big problem. Uh, 
you know, what do you do long-term supportive care for the mentally ill? Some of them just simply cannot live on their own. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do? Um, and pe- it's really interesting because people always ask me, what causes people to be homeless? And it's at the very, there are a million reasons, lots and lots of different reasons. Right. But at the very, very core of it, it is lack of uh, community, lack of family. Because people will say to me, oh, I guess we're all like one paycheck away from being at your place. And it's like, no, you're not. Because if you, Kim Peek, all of a sudden had no money, no car, no job, you wouldn't come to the rescue mission. You would go to the 30 friends you have who would take you in in a minute, including me, right? Right. So you're not coming to the rescue mission. Um, it's when you, Kim Peek, have all those things and your whole family is is it's dysfunctional or it's fallen apart or you've alienated them with your behavior in the past. And I'm just using Kim, obviously as an example, she's wonderful. Um, but it's, it's a complete lack of a support system. I was going to say the three issues that you mentioned that people deal with, you mentioned mental illness, the youth and senior citizens, right? All of that, right. Is, is hope is in, in the past, cared for and sustained by families. That's right. And and as you said, the family is falling apart in large measure. Right. And so um, there's a couple questions that come up in okay. my mind from that. The first one is, how are you changing your ministry? I mean, that is a vast set of different needs. And I think it'd be very difficult to... Um, reach all of those needs with, well, with one, one entity. Well, the, the youth is, it's pretty straightforward. We, they, they basically just need life skills, education. And we also partner with every other ministry and nonprofit that we, that we can be friends with to, sure. because we don't right. want to reinvent the wheel. So for instance, one of, one of our 17 year olds is up at Idaho Youth Challenge Academy, um, getting schooling and, and in shape and get, trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life. So that is a great organization that helps teens kind of catch back up. Okay. They do one year of school in six months. Oh, wow. So okay. it's really terrific. And they basically try to help you learn how to launch. So we partner with them, uh, Boys and Girls Club and the YMCA and, you know, pretty much everybody that we can think of. So we don't reinvent the wheel. Um, mentally ill, there are lots of good resources. Housing is an issue because they need long-term supportive housing. Some of that will happen at our transitional housing. Seniors are a huge challenge, a huge challenge, because we really are not set up for that. It's it's mm-hmm. a different skill set than, than we have. And so yeah. the best we can do is try to get them to uh, the place where they belong. But it is a... Huge. Well, yeah, you mentioned dementia. I mean, memory care, those types of things. And and you also said there's a shortage right now. There really is. So, and and we're seeing, it seems like we're going more towards shortages in our country right now of things than, than, than growth, unfortunately. Right. Well, I think it's, it's hard work. It's hard work. And the other thing about the seniors, which is really interesting is, you know, maybe today, well, I'll give you an example in my personal life. My dad and mom lived with me until my mom died. My dad moved to um, independent living, but then he fell and broke a vertebra in his back. So he immediately needed a place to go. 
but he was in too good a shape to be in a hospital or nursing or whatever, but he wasn't good enough to go back to his place. And fortunately for me, I, you know, he just moved back in with me and I took care of him and my job is flexible enough that I'm able to do that. But it changes so quickly what they need and the level of care. Yeah. And it's hard for all the services to adjust to that. And you have to have someone who's very uh, determined and I wouldn't say aggressive, but tenacious in getting those services and, you know, navigating the landscape of how do you do that? It's very, very challenging. Yeah. You know, Gina, another question that kind of came up in my mind when you were talking about that is, do you see any positive changes or the seeds of positive changes coming in our society as far as families? Well, I really do because I think one benefit that I see from COVID was people Mm. realized, you know, I really could die from this. And, and it made, I think it made a lot of people really focus on what's important. And I have seen a lot of people move back to be closer to their families. And I also think with housing prices being so expensive and so hard to find, It's encouraging Mm -hmm. families of multi-generations to live together, which I think is absolutely fantastic. It is not for the faint of heart. My parents both lived with me. (laughs) And my brother is living with me now. He's in between houses. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, he just moved in temporarily. He has a great job at UPS. But he's... He sold his house a little faster than he thought. (laughs) And he's in between right now. So he moved in. And we're having a great time reconnecting as adults. And so I think... I think you realize it's kind of fun to be close together and it's fun to spend time together that you didn't have before. It's that just natural, we're eating dinner together. Where are you going? Where am I going? The laughing. Yeah. Um, And it, you know, it, it, it is kind of stressful, but I do see that as a huge benefit to it's expensive to live. Why don't we pair up? Right. Uh, That's funny that you say that about your brother. So my brother and his family moved to Boise a little over a year ago and I've loved having them here. In fact, I did episode three with my brother and it was really good. So you should watch it. But having them here, he and his wife and and kids, I I love that. And it's a different relationship. I think it's, you know, I I think about it. I think because I have more time now, right? I'm not raising little kids and and plus there's just going to be different phases of life. And I think it's easy when we're young to look at our family, there are parents in our relationship or our sibling relationships or whatever relationship in the family and just think, okay, this is what it is. But to realize it's going to change over the years and we can make that positive changes. And and then that's going to help deal with these issues that um, come up. And and there's going to be issues that come up because our health, all of us are going to deal with that um, either now or later or both. Right. Right. And it's, it's very, you know, you grow up with siblings and you know, it's like a pack of wolf puppies and you're fighting (laughs) all the time. But when you're older, you realize how sweet it is to, to be in a relationship with someone who is your sibling who loves you and you love them and you've known them your whole life and you have this great shared experience and then you're caring for your parent and cherishing that little bit of time you have left. Right. And it, it is very sweet. It's not without its fights and anger and, you know, past problems, but it's also just the most amazing gift ever. I, I've lived on the same street with my 
brother and his family, my parents and me for now like 10 years. And it, it's just fantastic to get to see them yeah. just casually as life goes by. Yeah. I think they should rename that street for, they you, really for you guys. That's, that's right. But <laughs> I, I see that as a positive to all the things that are happening now is I really yeah. do think families are tightening up and taking their relationships with each other a little more seriously. Well, that's a really good point to bring out. And, and that's again, what this podcast is about really helping women thrive in their families and to realize whatever it is today, you can change it going forward. Right. I I mean, yeah. And, and, uh, in our society right now, I think uh, in a lot of ways we're a lot more open to those positive changes, um, because you realize family is what we've got, right? Right. Family is the one thing that doesn't change. And so, uh, yeah, take the good, bad, and ugly, but take the good. And that's what we try to do with the mission too, is for the people who just don't have anyone is we try to make a Christian family for them. And Mm. I, I've heard people say I'm alone. I'm, you know, I'm an only child. My parents are, I don't have any family. It's like, well, you have us. And I know, I know that we're not like real family, but we, we take it seriously. You know, we are very devoted to each other and we really love our people. And sometimes they're not so lovable and sometimes we're not yeah. so lovable, yeah. but we still are very devoted. Yeah. Let me ask you this. And I, I do this sometimes. This is a question that wasn't on the list, but okay. do you see a link between loneliness and improving mental health? Have you seen that link? Um, I think happen? that... I think that um, loneliness is very bad for your mental health. Yeah. And I, what I see is a very strong connection between loneliness and depression and social media. Oh, okay. I got off social media. I, I had my identity stolen. So I was like, I'm done oh with my this. Gosh. So I got off social media and I'm so much happier and I'm trying a lot harder on, you have to try harder. Like mm, I have to yeah. intentionally try to connect with people. Right. And you find out who you really care about and you definitely miss out on things, but social media I think is, has been very bad for people's mental health. I agree. And I think the getting out and actually doing things and spending time with people is what really helps. And when people can reach out and say, I had someone say, I'm having a terrible day. I feel crummy. Let's go out to dinner. And I said, absolutely. Yeah. So we did. And, and we both felt better at the end of it. Right. You know, it's right. We shared our burdens and lightened the load. So yeah. that's where I definitely see yeah. spending time with each other, intentionally doing things, getting outside, going and trying new hobbies is is great for mental health. Yeah. And I think I said that question wrong. I met how um, not being lonely can improve mental health. I think I said yeah. that backwards. But um, yeah, social media kind of gives us a false sense of relationship. And so it can kind of increase that loneliness because it's that false sense. It does. And there's also, you just can't have social media without running into things that upset you every single time. Exactly. And so who needs it? (laughs) You know, I'm sorry. It's just, it's life is hard enough without getting dragged into a lot of silly fights about things and having people say mean things about you. So I, it's, it's nice to just try to refocus on the relationships that are important. But yeah. if you're, yeah, as your loneliness goes away, your mental health definitely improves. Exercise. 
No exercise. Definitely. That is huge. That's huge. That is huge. So I think it's funny how we're kind of ping ponging back and forth between your work at the mission and our personal lives. And, and I think that's because for you, they're intertwined. I mean, you, you really have given your heart to both, to your family, your personal life, and, and to your ministry, which is awesome. So now what I want to ask you about, and this was a question on the list that I talked about, are, are just a couple of stories, a couple of stories of, of people you want to share, obviously without names, but but just some um, some successes, some wins, some joys that you've taken in seeing um you know, what has happened for people as they have come through the ministry um, and encountered all 157 of you at the mission and probably untold number of volunteers. Right. Oh, so many volunteers. Yeah. We love our volunteers. I am going to name names because I know I can. Okay. And I'm going to tell you probably just one story, but it's a big one. And I'm going to tell you Kendall's story. She okay. came to us um, in our New Life program 12 or 13 years ago, meth addict. She did not have custody of her daughter. She was estranged from her other two daughters, single lady. So she went through our program, did a great job. She went to work. She was my assistant. Almost everybody does an internship as my assistant. And it kind of buffs some of the edges off. And I put them through their paces. And so <laughs> then she, and she was great. Um, so then she went to work in our development department. And then she got custody of her daughter back. She got her own apartment. Then she started a relationship with her two older daughters again. And then she met and fell in love with a wonderful man who's a corrections officer. And they got married and they've been married now for seven years. And she then moved back and was an advisor in the new life program that she had graduated from. And now she's running it. And so, oh my goodness. So you talk about faith, family and work, and she's just done a brilliant job at all of them. She's worked very hard. Wow. And she's a wonderful person who, you know, always is there for people who need her. And you talked about, you know, personal life and work life and it, and it does really blend together. Mm -hmm. And she's, she's a great example of that. She just really loves people. And, and she's a great success story you know, in terms of she loves the Lord, she's devoted to her family, she's devoted to the mission and the work of the mission, and she is a fabulous friend. Wow. So she she went from, I'm homeless, I was in prison, I did meth, I've lost custody, my family's abandoned me and or taken from me, to she's had it fully restored. And now her daughter's at Cole Valley Christian School, she's doing fantastic, and it's, it's just, you can see God working, and 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 doing miracles in people's lives and she's just one of many many I was going to say that that's a miracle you it's know it's an incredible story Be, because um getting off of meth is so i mean that's you have to be brave you have to be strong to get off of that right you really do but it's not the hardest one to kick the oh, hardest drug yeah? not even close really? the hardest one is alcohol really because it's legal it's socially acceptable People joke about it. Um, it's, I mean, you can go and drink a whole bottle of wine and people don't really think much of it usually. So alcohol, it's very difficult for people to recover from alcohol. Wow. Very difficult. That's so interesting. It, Yeah, it is. You wouldn't think it. But no, no. I mean, I would have thought. Meth would, or heroin. Would, or, yeah, yeah, one of nope. those. No. Quote, 
hard drugs. I, I mean, yeah. you know, so it's it's um it and it'll kill you in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very dangerous. Yeah. What a story, though. That that's amazing. And what I love about that really ties in with other things that you have said. How you keep in touch. You those relationships are not done once somebody leaves the ministry of the rescue mission. Well, you know, some people leave and they they really don't they don't want to even sure. acknowledge that they were there. And sure. so they leave and they don't have any contact with us. Sure. But we definitely have people that say, wow, these are healthy people who love me and care about me and I want to be part of it or I want to stay friends with them. And um, I get text messages from people when they have triumphs and I get text messages when they need new tires and they don't know what to do. Sure. Or they've had problems with this or that and they need advice. And I love that because I love that they feel like they can come back to us. It's well, like a safety It's a net. relationship. It it's, is. It's a relationship. It, it's not just a program, right? right. So so um, do you see uh, a lot with, with people that it's kind of like three steps forward, two steps back, but oh, you guys sure. stick with them and, yep. and they, they keep going forward? Well, God is a God of not just second chances, but <laughs> like infinite chances. Yeah. Seven and times so, 70, right? That's right. <laughs> and so we, what we say is we're walking on the path, we're holding your hand. If you go off the path, we're going to have to let go, but we're still here. So our hand's still out, you want the welcome back. mat's out, mm -hmm. so we'll take you back. Yeah. Um, and I've seen people where it takes quite a few times, Yeah. but then they get it, Yeah. and then they've got it, and it's good. Well, you know, there's things in all of our lives that, that are like that, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, um, sometimes they have more consequences than others, but we all have those things things we so all we do, definitely do that we're working on yeah definitely so so we're coming to the end of the time I looked over the clock and I can't believe it's almost <laughs> over but you know I kind of want to circle back to how we started in the beginning how you came to the Boise Rescue Mission and this was not something that was on your bucket list or your five-year plan or your anytime plan you you didn't know that you would be doing this great ministry there and being a part of this incredible group of people so can you just kind of end for us you know again we're talking to women we want them to thrive in life right so do you have just a couple of uh last words to to encourage women in that i would say pray and when god shows it to you give it a try and don't worry about being qualified. Uh -huh. Just keep trying and yeah. and expect failure and that's okay. Oh, I love that. I love that. Expect fail expect failure. It's not like if it's it's when, right? It's going to happen if you yeah. try enough things, but you just keep trying and picking yourself back up and trying again and it's okay to fail. You learn something from it and you you've tried something and that's very honoring to God to to put yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you, Jean. Thank you for coming and sharing with us for a little bit. Thank you for having me. I so, appreciate it. So Jean said that um, some of her coworkers want to see the podcast so that they can make fun of her. I don't know yes, what they they're going to make fun of, but they'll probably find <laughs> they'll something. Find something yeah. Cause it sounds like you guys have a lot of fun together. <laughs> we do. Too. We so, really do. So, um, you know, I like to talk about the news and what's going on and relate it to our world, but also I like having people on sometimes, other women that can inspire you as a woman to thrive in your faith, your family, and your work. So I hope you feel inspired by Jean's story and the ministry that all of Boise Rescue Mission is doing. I hope you'll join us again next time, and I hope you'll um, subscribe on whatever platform you're watching The Kim Peak Show. 
Thank you and have a great day. Thank you.